Good evening and welcome to a new episode of What the Friday. I'm your host, Andrea, and I have some pretty exciting news, or at least it's exciting to me. My daughter, Courtney, you know, I've spoke of her several times on here before, but um, she's going to be joining me on Fridays for What the Friday. Um, I've been asking her to do this podcast thing with me since the beginning of the podcast, and I finally think I convinced her to do it. So, um, she's going to be joining me for the What the Friday episodes sometime around the beginning of October. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about a lady from Australia named Catherine Knight. The first time I had ever heard of her was way back in 2005 on an episode of Deadly Women on the ID channel. Now, as you know, or probably know... That show gives you like a little glimpse into a story of these different women. Well, I wanted to know more after I just, I saw a a rerun of that episode um, not too long ago. So, I started doing my own research to see what I could find on her. And um, I found quite a bit. So, I'm going to be sharing that with you guys tonight. Mystery, Murder, and Magic proudly presents... What the Friday? And here's your host, Andrea. Alright, y'all. So, this lady... Catherine Knight that we're going to be talking about tonight. I hate to call anybody crazy, but this woman, she was, she was way out there, okay? Um, (laughs) she was born in 1955, and, um, she's originally from Aberdeen in New South Wales' Hunter Valley. Well, her dad, Ken, he was a raging alcoholic. He would rape her mom. Sometimes as many as 10 times a day. And Catherine's mom, Barbara, would often tell her daughters that she hated men and sex. But yet, when Catherine complained once to her mom about something that one of her partners wanted her to do, her mom told her basically just get over it and just do it. Now, Catherine has said that several of her family members have raped her, but never was she the victim of her father and the sexual abuse continued until the time she was around 11 years old now normally Catherine was this very enjoyable girl to be around but at times the slightest thing could set her off and she'd go off on these violent tangents in high school she was a bit of a recluse and her classmates remembered her as a bully Now, it is known that she assaulted at least one boy with a weapon in high school, and she even wounded a teacher. But when she wasn't off on one of those wild tangents, she was a model student, and she even earned awards for her good behavior. Now, when she was 15, she dropped out of school, and around the time she turned 18, she went to work Well, no, right after that, sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um, After she dropped out of high school, she went to work in this factory cutting fabric. Well, 
couple years later, she left that job, and when she, around the time she was 18, she went to work at this meat processing plant. She called that job her dream job, and one of the jobs that she had while she was working there was decapitating pigs on the production line. Sometimes she would even go like to the like where the production line started and watch the pigs have their throats slit. With she got the promo, uh, promotion, and when she got that promotion, um, and I'm assuming that promotion because it didn't really say, but I'm assuming that promotion was to the decapitator because um, she got her own set of butcher knives. Well, she hung those knobs over her bed in every house that she lived in after that, and she said that they were there just in case she needed them. In 1973, Catherine met a man by the name of David Kellett, and he seemed to be in some ways a lot like her father, and you know, they say girls are attracted to men who can be like their fathers. Now, he was a heavy drinker, but it was very well known that Catherine controlled him. The following year, the couple got married, and they arrived at the ceremony. <laughs> this is kind of funny to me. They arrived on her motorcycle with David drunk off of his ass sitting in um, a thing called a pillion. And I didn't know this until I searched it, but the pillion is the little sidecar that attaches to a motorcycle. I didn't know that was the name for it. Anyway, when the couple arrived at their marriage ceremony... Catherine's mom basically told David to be careful around Catherine because she would kill him. And she went on to tell him that she thought that Catherine had a screw loose. All I can say is wow. Just wow. Now on their wedding night, David had the audacity to fall asleep after having sex only three times so what does Catherine do she tries to strangle him I guess David didn't realize that his mother-in-law's advice would kick in so soon in the marriage well if you couldn't guess their marriage was a pretty violent one and you can chalk it up to either pregnancy hormones or having a screw loose her mom's words not mine once when Catherine was pregnant, she burned all of David's clothes and his shoes and then proceeded to strike him across the back of the head with a frying pan. And why did she do this? Because he came home late one night from a darts competition. Now, after she had struck him with that frying pan, he managed to run from the house and he collapsed at a neighbor's house. The police were called and they really wanted to you know, arrest or press charges on Catherine for this um, because David was hurt pretty bad. Um, he had a very badly fractured skull. But Catherine turned on the charm and she talked her husband into not pressing those charges. She, um, so he dropped the charges. Now, not long after that, um, or not long after her first child was born, David left Catherine for another woman in Queensland. Now, cheating is wrong, okay? I do not condone it. I do not do it. But you almost can't blame him um, because she was so controlling and so jealous and so violent. But 
All of this is happening in May of 1976. Well, the day after David left, Catherine was seen pushing their baby down the street in a stroller, but she was throwing it from side to side. Like, what the hell, Catherine? You know, she was admitted to a hospital and she was diagnosed with postnatal depression. So she spent several weeks there in the hospital getting some help, or so everyone thought. After she was released from the hospital from that stay, she placed the baby girl, who was only two months old, on some railroad tracks, knowing that a train was due to come through at any moment. Then she went into town. Once she was in town, she stole an axe and threatened to kill several people. One of the local men from around town was rummaging, rummaging sorry about that, through the trash near the railroad tracks and saw the baby and he rescued her just moments i mean literally maybe not even moments plural before the train came through now Catherine was arrested again and taken back to the same hospital but get this y'all she signed herself out the very next day now it seems to me that when you're like taken there like in police custody you wouldn't be able to sign yourself out but that's just my opinion I, I don't know kind of defeats the purpose it's like okay I paid my time let me sign myself out of prison same deal in my mind but anyway a few days pass and Catherine decides she wants to find David so she slashes a local woman's face with one of her knives and demanded that she drove her to Queensland well along the way they stop at a gas station and the lady was able to escape, but before the authorities could get there, Catherine had taken a little boy hostage, and she was threatening to kill him with her knife. Now, the police were able to knock the knife out of her grasp with a broom, and this time she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. While she was there, she told the nurses that it was her every intention to have killed a mechanic at that gas station because in the past he had fixed her estranged husband David's car and this enabled him to leave her. She also had planned to kill David and his mother. Well, when this information got back to David, he left the new girlfriend and then he and his mom, they moved back to where Catherine was to help take care of her. Well, then in August of 1976, Catherine was released from that hospital into the custody of David's mom. Following that, Catherine, David, and his mom moved to a suburb of Brisbane. There, Catherine got another job in another meat processing plant, and in March of 1980, she gave birth to another daughter. Well, the couple split up again, but this time it was Catherine who moved out. At first, she went to live with her parents in Aberdeen, but soon she moved into a rental house, and she resumed her job at the meat processing plant. She wouldn't stay there long, though, because she injured her back and she had to go on disability. And she also received a housing commission house from the government, so she moved once again to Aberdeen. Now, don't think for one minute that because she's disabled that she lived out the rest of her life quietly. No, ma'am, she sure didn't. 
1986, Catherine met a 38-year-old man named David Saunders. And after only a few months of knowing each other, they moved in together at Catherine's place with her daughters. And I'm going to stop right here for a second to say that it just floors me, okay, that she even had custody of those two girls because of her history. I mean, she tried to kill the oldest one by leaving her on those train tracks. Anyway, Catherine's jealous streak started rearing his ugly head again, and she would question him about what he was doing when she wasn't around, and every once in a while, she would kick him out, but soon she would beg him to move back in. The following year, just to show Saunders what she was capable of doing if he ever cheated on her, she slit the throat of his dingo puppy. And to show that she meant it, she knocked him over the head, him meaning Saunders, not the puppy, over the head with a frying pan. She hit him so hard that it knocked him unconscious. Well, as luck would have it, two years into the relationship, Catherine gave birth to a third daughter, which was her first child with Saunders. Saunders decided now would be a good time to put a down payment on a house. And when they got this house, Catherine put her, uh, you can't see it, but it's air quotes, decorating skills, I guess you could say, to work. And soon the place was decorated with animal skulls, horns, traps, leather coats, boots, even machetes, pitchfork, and rakes. Even the ceiling was covered with these odd decorations. Not long after that, the two had an argument, and Catherine ended up hitting him in the face with an iron and stabbing him in the gut. Well, Saunders left, but he returned later to find that she had cut up all of his clothes, so he took off again and went into hiding. Catherine went looking for him, but no one would tell her, like, where he was at, so... Um, I guess she just kind of gave up. But eventually, he showed back up at the house to see his daughter. But sometime while he was gone, at some point while he was away from them, she had, Catherine, she had went to the um, police and told them that she was terribly afraid of him. And they issued an apprehended violence order against him. And I'm guessing that that's really similar to like um oh my gosh my mind just went totally blank on the word i'm looking for but anyway in 1980 Catherine became pregnant again with a former co-worker's baby and that former co-worker was 43 year old john chillingworth now, the next year she gave birth to their son, but the relationship between Catherine and Chillingworth only lasted for like three years because she left him for a man that she had been having an affair with, and that man's name was John Price. Price already had three children from a previous relationship when he met Catherine. Now, everyone that knew him described Price as a good guy, he and his wife had divorced in 1988, and their youngest child had stayed with his ex-wife, but he took the two oldest with him. 
Catherine's violent tendencies were no secret to Price, but he let her move into the, his house anyway. Now, talk about ignoring red flags. But his kids really liked Catherine, and in the beginning of their relationship, everything was all sunshine and roses. Their first major fight wasn't until 1998, when Price refused to marry <clears throat> sorry about that to marry her <laughs> so to get a revenge Catherine made a videotape of some items that Price had stolen from work and sent it to his boss well this got Price fired from his job that he had had for 17 years well after he lost his job Price was so angry that he kicked Catherine out of his house so she moved back into her own house now, after a few months, the couple recon reconciled, um, but he wouldn't let her move back into his house. Well, after the reconciliation, the fights came more and so often, and soon Price's friends were just like, you know what, buddy? As long as she's around, it's best we don't hang out, and I can't say that I blame them. Now, fast forward to February of 2000. Like I said, the fights were coming more often, and Catherine ended up stabbing Price in the chest. Well, he made her leave, and then on the 29th of February, he went to the magistrate's office on the way to work, and he took out a restraining order. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Um, but he took out a restraining order on her. When he got to work, he even told his co-workers that if he didn't come to work the next day... <clears throat> It would be because Catherine had killed him. Well, his co-workers were frightened for his life, and they begged him not to go home that day. But he was afraid that if he didn't go home, she would kill his kids. Well, when he got home that day, he found that Catherine had sent the kids away, but she herself wasn't even there. He spent the afternoon with some neighbors, and then he went to bed around 11 p.m., well, Catherine arrived at his house while he was sleeping. She watched TV for a little while, then she took a shower. The couple had sex, and then Price went back to sleep. At 6 the next morning, a neighbor got very concerned because his car was still in the driveway. And then, when he didn't show up for work, his boss sent a co-worker to check on him. When the co-worker arrived, he noticed blood on the front door so he called the police when the police arrived they busted down the back door and found his body and Catherine was there too but she was pretty much in a coma from taking a large number of pills while Price had been sleeping Catherine had stabbed him with a butcher's knife Next, Price tried to turn on a lamp before trying to escape by running from her, and Catherine chased him through the house and out the front door. Now, it's not known if he stumbled back into the house for some reason or if he was dragged back inside, but he was inside in the hallway where he died. He had bled to death, and Catherine had, after he bled to death, Catherine drove to an ATM in Aberdeen and withdrew $1,000 from his account. An autopsy showed that Price had been stabbed a total of 37 times on the front and back of his body. Some of those stab wounds, wounds had penetrated through 
to vital organs. A few hours after he passed away, Catherine skinned him and hung his skin from a beam over the door of the lounge. And next, she decapitated him and cooked some of his body parts and served it with baked potatoes, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. Man, she made a big meal. But um, she served it on two plates on the table, and beside each plate, she had written notes, and each had the name of one of his children on them. Her plan was to feed him to his children. Okay, let that sink in. Now, a third plate was found in the backyard, and it has been guessed that she had tried to eat it, but she just couldn't stomach it. Now, Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables, and when it was found, the pot was still warm. After that, Catherine had arranged what was left of his body with the left arm over a soda, soda bottle, and his legs were crossed at the ankles. She also had left a note on top of a photo of Price, and it was the note itself was stained with blood and little pieces of flesh. And the note said, Tom got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You too back for Ross, for little John. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. Now, that really don't make a whole lot of sense, but what I got out of it was that she was accusing him of raping one of her daughters and maybe his daughter Beck that's we do know that Beck was one of his daughters or one of his kids his daughter and little John was his son now we all know that Catherine wasn't the first cannibal in history way back in episode 4 of mystery murder and magic we talked about Ed Gein and he was a man from the 1950s in Wisconsin who was accused of killing several people, having sex with their rotting corpses, and then eating them. Now, sometimes he would also make a few different things out of their skin, including a belt that was made from human nipples. Then there was a man named Gary Hiding Heidnick. He was a 42-year-old man from Philadelphia who in 1986 captured women and kept them chained in his basement and he kept them as his sex slaves but eventually some of those women would be murdered and he would eat their corpses well fortunately one of the young ladies um is, was able to escape and um she went to the police and when the police got there they were shocked at what they found now i'm not going to go any further on that because um, we are going to talk about that on an upcoming episode. Now, if you go way back in history to 1570, there was a man in Germany named Peter Stump. And he would travel the German countryside with his mistress and his daughter looking for young maidens to satisfy his craving for their young flesh. Now, this guy was so disgusting that he had an incestuous relationship with his daughter and their relationship produced a baby. Well, get this. He ate the baby. I mean, what the actual fuck, okay? Um, in all, he ate a total of 15 women and children, and he'd eat their hearts while they were still warm from their body. Yeah. 
But they really did know how to dish out the punishment back in those days because he was punished very severely. Um, his punishment, or the punishment, that he and his two accessories, which was his, his daughter and um, mistress, they received was nearly equal to what they were being punished for. Peter was tied to a cartwheel and was skin, or he was that his skin was pulled from his body while he was still alive they broke his arms and legs and that was followed by him being decapitated with a wooden axe his headless body was buried beside his daughter and mistress but okay let's get back to Catherine okay now I read that the manner in which Price's body was skinned could have been um only done by someone who had remarkable skills in that and we all know that Catherine excelled at her jobs in the meat processing plants that she had worked at it's also believed that he had been skinned before being decapitated because of the blood stains on the carpet showed the outline of his head the autopsy did reveal that he was deceased when Catherine removed his skin and I guess thank goodness for small favors like that the cuts that she had made on his body were very precise and very straight. It was like she had been practicing her entire life for this one thing. And they said that in all it would have taken like 40 minutes for her to perform that task. When Catherine was questioned about the murder, she said she had no memory of ever doing any of it at night, but... I guess they weren't buying it because on March the 6th of two th uh, the year 2000, um, Catherine was charged with John Prince's, uh, Price, sorry about that, murder. While he was, she was still in the psychiatric hospital when she was charged. In October of 2001, Catherine spared Price's family of having to relive that whole thing by pleading guilty. And according to a court-appointed psychiatrist, Catherine was 100% sane when she killed Price. On November 8th of that same year, Catherine was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. To this day, Catherine says she has no memory of what happened that night. She only remembers the couple having really good sex, John getting out of the bed to pee, and then she fell asleep. She has also appealed her sentence. She said it was too harsh. And because she was sane at the time of the murder, she was sentenced to, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, Malawa Women's Correctional Center, and wasn't put in a psychiatric hospital. Well, y'all, we have talked about crazy on this podcast before. And like I said earlier, I hate to call anybody crazy because there's so many people suffering with mental dis uh, disabilities illnesses um these days you know but they said that she was 100% insane um but anyway i think that this one deserves des blah, deserves <laughs> the um title of like the craziest what do y'all think well, thanks for tuning in tonight, and y'all have sweet dreams. Come back in the morning for an all-new Weekend Weird Falls. Y'all have a good night.